Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone, to another week with Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I am Charlie. And I'm Eva, and it's actually another year. Another year. Of Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, so the mission of Corporate Talk is that we leave no stone unturned and use all our collaborative powers to simply make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. That's so true. Yes. Or in this case, two people. Two people. Right. That's right. A um, couple of things I wanted to mention um, right in the beginning is, you know, our replays are available 7 by 24. Yes, they are. So, and really, we're proud of the content we deliver and we bring. Well, and we understand that not everyone can dial in at 4 p.m. Eastern. Exactly. Right? Because we are corporate talk and therefore we know that you're working. Right. Um and the other thing is that the show does air again in 12 hours for the other side of the planet. I know. Um, but you guys or anyone can just download anytime, 7 by 24, any previous show. And okay? you can also use the free TalkZone app on your phone. And you can go to Google Play Store or however you do that on your iPhone and find the TalkZone app, download it, and there we are. There we are. I know. Exactly, because the first segment we're on Skype video. Yes. Okay. So during the week, I had tweeted and mentioned to some of my social network community that on my lap, I have three books. Okay. Uh, one is, of course. Oh, you do have it on your mind, <laughs> which I love and still believe in. <laughs> the other is, um, at this point, creating a thriving business, which is from a previous guest, George Horrigan. And this book is helping me every day. And the third is from last week's guest, Carol Phillips, edition, yes. 52 Simple Ways to Health. And the reason why I have this book, because it's all connected, right? Right. And let's just make it clear that we're not affiliated with anyone, right? I mean, we don't, you know. No, I have a rotating lap. Okay. So <laughs> that did not sound good. right now. This is what I have. Okay. As right. we. Evolve. I mean, in the past, we learned so much about parenting from the Lyotas and and still learning and still learning. Yes. So the point is, the content is there and it's there for you. Seven by twenty four. Just reach back and look at a previous episode or join us every Monday at four. Now, if anybody wants to take the liberty to email us. CTRadioInfo at gmail.com. Um, and I will randomly pick one of these three books and send it back to you as a gift. So keep that in mind. Okay, guys, because we're teammates. What do you think? I think that's great. And I was actually surprised that you actually did have them on your lap today. I, right. 
because I'm accountable now. You are accountable now. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so we know also in early January that you have a full slate in front of you. I do. You have a big day coming up um, at the beginning of next month. At the beginning of next month, um, also a couple days in January, but in the beginning of next month, we are going to be battling. I don't like to say battling. We're going to be gently walking through our fear of stage fright. It's a home for run five, for this show, which yeah, we'll get back to in a second. Five weeks in Cincinnati, and it's really fun. It's really different than anything you've ever tried because I have had really, really bad stage fright, so I get it. So I use coaching, improv, EFT, every little tool that um, I have in my toolkit that I find is very effective, and I think it's something different that you have not seen anywhere else, at least I have not seen anywhere else. So join me. Right. You Cincinnati. can find out more on my website at corecoachinginc.com. That's C-O-R-E, coachinginc.com. And that's February 4th? Through March 4th, five weeks. Excellent. Okay, so we'll keep everybody posted. Five of the best weeks of your life. <laughs> and um, we mentioned that because we have... Uh, um, unbelievable guest today. Well, you know, it was funny because when we met Dr. Stewart, right? I mean, her and I just instantly started talking about fear and stage fright and all the rest and probably could have gone on and on and on, but we only had two minutes. Right. So, um, so now we have an hour. And again. there's no doubt that Dr. Stewart will be mentioned going forward as a prior guest as well. Mm. So, uh, you know, we are more than honored to introduce our very special guest today, Dr. Valerie Martin Stewart. Are you with us, Dr. Stewart? Yes. Hi, Charlie and Eva. How are you? And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to nice. you. We're so glad you're here. And it's such a great show to start the new year with. Ay, ay, ay. Right. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, you know, if you think about it, <laughs> what you are sharing with us, your story, your background, your skills that you developed, just, you know, similar to what Eva's doing, is really all we need. <laughs> it is. Right? Yeah. And if everybody would take a breath and go internal and understand that, um, I think, you know, the world would be a better place. It absolutely would be a better so place. So welcome to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and thank you for being so patient. So, um, Dr. Stewart, why don't we start share some contact information like your website with others so that they can track along? Okay. My website is www.ValerieMStewart.com, and that's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-M-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. Excellent. And, um, okay, so Dr. Stewart is a keynote speaker, author, um, engineer, Hall of Fame inductee, which we're going to talk about, national award recipient. I mean, I, you know, I, we only have an hour show, right? <laughs> and <laughs> we can't get through the whole. You seem to have mastered in so many areas. I'm also looking at three books. So um, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. By day, I'm an electrical engineer with the Department of Defense, and I have been now going on 23 years. Wow. Of next month. Uh, yes, but that's not my passion. I just happened to end up being good in math, and that's where my brothers, they steered me in that direction. But my uh, passion is inspiring and motivating others. I've had the opportunity to play uh, basketball, collegiate, as well as professionally in Italy, Australia, and Peru. 
and I also work for the Australian government. And as you've already stated, I did uh, receive the Hall of Fame award, and I'm happy about that from my uh, alumni, which is uh, you know, my alma mater, the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And I also I write books. I've been writing since I was about 12. Out of my pain, I've dealt with a lot of rejection, depression, low self-esteem, uh, you name it, any negative emotion, I've probably experienced it, even suicidal thoughts. And yet, uh, I've, you know, that rejection, I wrote a book about rejection called uh, Rise Above Rejection, Exposing the Little Girl in Me. And that book, which is my second book, has been converted into a screenplay registered at Rock Hills in Hollywood looking to become a movie. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, uh, and you know what? I think like it's that. I think it's something we all need to see, right? Exactly. And absolutely. You know, it's incredible because, I mean, first, I admire your courage, right? And I don't know where it begins or comes from. So when you're growing up, experiencing fear. Um, what exactly happens that uh, I'm just thinking out loud here. So when your head hits the pillow, do you kind of nurture yourself? Is that how you develop these skills? Uh, no, I wish I could say it was that easy, but, uh, you know, you'd have to get to the root of where my fear, the rejection and all of that started. And for me, you know, I thought it started through a terrible divorce or, you know, friends or boyfriends or even coaches sometimes not receiving me the way I want to be received. But I come to find out, uh, which I wrote in the book, is that my rejection, the root of it, started at four years old. And that was with my gr- mother leaving me at my grandmother's house every day, coming by to see me every day, bringing ice cream and all the rest, and sometimes would ride me around to the park. Uh, but at the end of the day, she left me there because I didn't have a babysitter to keep me at home when my older brothers and sisters would go to school. So, But me, at four years old, I took it as rejection. And I talk about the relatives of rejection, which are depression, low self-esteem, uh, you know, even being an overachiever, perhaps, you know, if the mm-hmm. motives are not correctly channeled. So what really has helped me, I tell you the truth, is, you know, being an ordained minister as well, but writing... Uh, playing sports, and even, you know, prayer. I remember now when we were speaking, when we met, and I even thought of bullying as a way to hide it because you just mentioned your your motivations in a different area. Um, And, you know, you have to be grateful because your motive was always in the right place, I think. Otherwise, you wouldn't be all these things, including an ordained minister, right? Yes. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, it's taken me years to get here, you know, and and uh, sharing my personal stories. You know, everyone doesn't understand. A lot of my family question me about why do you feel a need to share your personal stories or lay yourself there uh, before the world, you know, the pain, the suicidal thoughts and all that. But I come to realized that so many places that I've spoken, uh, Charlie and Eva, uh, in government facilities in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and all around, I've spoken at Library of Congress, 
uh, Department of Treasury, U.S. Census Bureau, and my number one thing that I ask is how many of you have fears in your life? And just about every hand, it's not just about every hand goes up because I'm not asking a particular fear, but any type of fear, mm-hmm. you know, and how many fear failure, how many fear uh, success, and I've always feared success. So just about every hand, most people fear failure. There's things, the businesses they want to start, or even perhaps like you guys, you know, start their own radio show, but they fear failure. So my biggest thing is I realized why it took me the courage to write my book and publish them because I realized I'm not the only one dealing with all these or have dealt with all these different emotions. There's so many other people every day that are walking around with, you know, full of fear, full of failure, guilt, shame, and all of those things. And that's why one of my most requested uh, keynote speech has been Do It Afraid. And I talk about how to face fear, overcome failure, depression, shame, rejection, and turn every setback into a comeback. Um, wow. Okay. So Dr. Stewart, right. Um, you know, this is the real deal mm-hmm. and this is why we're here, right? Because we're here to find people like you, because think about it. Think about the greatness that is being held back in others that going through your training and guidance will come out. Imagine, imagine the, what we're missing. I agree. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this yes. is this is why you're doing what you're doing, um, because we need you, right? <laughs> the country needs well, you. Well, thank you. I, I want to feel needed. That's a great thing to feel needed. I tell you, because for so long I, I didn't feel that way. You know, I didn't feel that. But I, you know, as I continue to travel and speak around the world, I realize just what you said earlier. There's greatness on the inside of everyone, and the mm-hmm. key is to tap into it. You know, yes. to find out what is it that you do well and you would do for free. You know, I often ask people, what is it that if you had a million dollars already and your bills were paid, all your bills, home, cars, everything were paid off, what would you love to wake up and do every day? Most likely that's your passion. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just beginning the conversation, and Dr. Stewart is a real great guests to have and we're all learning um but we're going to take our first break so please stay with us we'll be back in about two or three minutes and we're going to go a little deeper in the career of dr valerie stewart stay with us corporate talk with charlie neva we'll be right back Let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Valerie Martin-Stewart. You can learn more about Dr. Stewart at www.ValerieMStewart.com. So, Dr. Stewart, you know I love this conversation because... I've had a lot of fear since I can't remember one and trying to overcome it can sometimes be so daunting. And there was a couple things that you said in the last segment that I thought were really inspiring because, you know, so many of us have a fear of failure, but what a lot of people don't always address is the fear of success. Mm 
And I know you've brought that up because I know when people look at you, right? I mean, you have so many different accomplishments. It's like you're an electrical engineer by day. You're an ordained minister. You're an author. You're a speaker. You have, you're an athlete. Um, you have so many accomplishments that I'm sure that when people meet you, they think to themselves, well, there is no way that this woman could have accomplished everything she did and be scared the whole time. And, and we know that that's not true, that you were scared. And that's why you so bravely talk about all this. But, um, I wanted to first touch on before we go into, I was, I was originally going to talk about Ferrix's success, but now I'm also want to touch on a little bit about how did you first start overcoming the fear? Was it just something that you were always kind of good at stepping through or what helped you start stepping through that fear? When did you have the realization that even though I'm afraid, I can still do this anyway? Yes, well, I I would have to contribute, you know, yielding to my call to preach in 1997 helped me tremendously. So I was nervous, uh, you know, had ran from that calling for over 13 years, ran all over the seas playing ball, and even over there some of the people's fathers would see the call to preach on my life. Uh, and so I actually started there. You know, I tell people, you know, I was bootlegging over in Australia ministering to my teammates. So, you know, it started out one-on-one, and then it ended up all the girls gathered around me. And, and no matter where we went, it always appeared that people, no matter what country they were from, would always seek me out to share their problems. And that's when I began to realize, as Charlie was saying, that I, my voice was needed, that everything I'd been through was needed, uh, and I could help somebody else. And that's just my number one desire is to help other people and motivate and inspire them to move to the next level or wherever it is they're supposed to be. So it was truly just uh, started, you know, one-on-one with people, which grew to, you know, helping multiple people at one time and then eventually becoming the uh, motivational speaker. But I began to write uh, that kind of gave me the desire and passion. I had attended so many conferences and listened to inspiring people like Jewel Diamond Taylor and others, and I said, I would love to do that. I always wanted to motivate people, and I said, I'd love to say just one word to help people move from where they are to where they need to be, but I resolved in myself. I said, I'll never be able to do that. I'm too shy, timid, care about what everybody thinks. But as I wrote uh, and published my first book in 2006 called Out of Pain Came Poetry, which is, you know, basically my life, all that poetry was written out of pain, even suicidal thoughts, because of the response of people purchasing that book, and I mean people that I didn't even know, and phone calls and messages left on my voicemail from all the way from California to New York, saying, thank you, I have a copy of your book. I didn't know how they had gotten it and didn't know who they were. They were weeping and crying, saying, thank you for your boldness and courage to share your painful stories because they're at that place now or I've been there. And that uh, evil began to give me the courage, you know, to start wanting to stand up publicly and talk about this thing called fear. I think that's terrific, and it just drives home the point that when you stop hiding and let your authentic self come out, 
you know, you reach so many people because people can feel that authenticity, right? And that's where you touch them right in the heart because they knew what you were writing was true and they knew what you were writing spoke to what they were going through. And you, you know, as they said, so bravely came forward and wrote it out and said, here is me with no pretense, with, you know, I'm not hiding anything. This is exactly what I went through. So what you're seeing in terms of the accomplished woman, that is all there. But also underneath that, I had all this fear and they really have related to that. And that is such a powerful and amazing message. And I loved what you said about you were called to preach and you ran from it for 13 years. And isn't that so true? Sometimes our passion, I think sometimes people think that when you reach your passion, that all of a sudden all the doors will open up and everything is going to be wonderful and you're not going to have any more fear and you're just going to walk through it and everything's going to fall into place. Whereas I think sometimes when you find your passion, it's when sometimes the fear really does raise its head and you found your passion and that's when you just completely opened up and let all this out. But that wasn't easy. Finding your passion was not easy. And I don't blame you for running from it for 13 years. It surely wasn't. It wasn't easy at all. No, not at all. And so when you talk about, I want to go back a little bit too, when you talk a little bit about the fear of success, because so many people have the fear of failure or the fear of rejection, but there is something to the fear of success to be the one that's out there in the spotlight and now accountable. Oh, absolutely. And I've always feared success. I've had so many opportunities to do great things. One I would love to share is even I had the opportunity after playing professionally overseas, I had the opportunity to play in the inaugural season, 1997, in the uh, Women's National Basketball League, the WNBA, right here in America. And I had gotten in the best shape of my life, showed up in Los Angeles, and I remember Lisa Leslie and other girls standing to the sideline, didn't have to try out because they were either freshly out of college or having come from overseas themselves. And myself, I had been out of, you know, college and been from overseas since like 1991. So I had to prove myself. But yet these coaches were writing me. I received two letters from Los Angeles coach and a letter from the Orlando Miracles coach. And Eva, I had gotten in the best shape of my life, I tell people. And I use this as an example of fear success in my uh, seminars. And yet when I showed up, I was physically in the in the best shape, but mentally I was a mess. I showed up and just fear gripped me on the court, and I began to wonder. I was going through a terrible divorce at that time, and I began to wonder what what's going to happen with my baby. You know, they had a, a short, a very fast season at that at the beginning. It was only three months, I remember, and I was trying to figure out who will I get to keep my daughter. And, you know, just all kind of feared that she would end up on, she was only two years old, but I let all these crazy thoughts bombard my mind down there on the court, and I intentionally went out and played my worst basketball. Mm. And, of course, I didn't make it. I had to deal with the rejection, you know, feelings of rejection and depression and, and carried all that back with me. But then the coach from Orlando Miracles also wrote me, like, the following year, the year after, and said she'd heard about me, received tapes on me, and wanted me to come and try out in Orlando. 
Well, just to fast forward through that, bottom line, I, I didn't go. I didn't accept her invitation. I was still dealing with, you know, my mind and my mouth wasn't in alignment, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my mm-hmm. physical body. Uh, but yet I ended up in Orlando that December. She had ridden me back around February, and I ended up in Orlando in December for Christmas, spending time with my brother. And who do I run into in a shopping mall, you know, in a store? It was Coach Carolyn Peck, the coach of the That's... Orlando Miracles. And she took a double look at me. I took a double look at her and never met her, but seeing pictures. And I thought, that's the coach of Orlando Miracles. I didn't approach her, but she seemed as though she knew me as I knew I knew her. And my brother, I ran home to tell him, guess who I saw? Guess who I saw in the mall? And we were close right up on each other, took two looks at each other and all that. And he said, well, when do you want my car? Because he just knew that I had told her I was in town and I would be, you know, there to try out and let her see me play. And I told him, no, fear of success. I, I was too afraid to approach her and let her know, hey, I'm Valerie Martin at that time. I'm the one who wrote, and I didn't respond, but here I am. So that fear of success, I tell people, I've really let it damage me and sabotage so many, you know, great successes, the opportunity to play professionally right here in the U.S. of A. Well, and you know, there's, there's really no coincidences. So you running into her was definitely not a coincidence. But then also the fact that you hadn't taken that opportunity at that point, then led you to this other career. So it's all kind of this, it's, it's all synchronized, right? That's how I feel. It's like if, yes. if one door closes, then another one opens. And it was meant to be open to this to help other people to show other people what you've gone through. And then to to coach them to help them not have to go through all those different stumbling blocks to give them the tools that they need. Well, absolutely, uh, Eva. I'm so passionate about everyone that I come in contact. I don't care the age. I to get a hold of people as young as possible, you know, at least around 12 years old, that they can really get it and grab a hold. But I love going into the high schools, and I'm working my way into colleges and universities. Uh, but I really just want to inspire people and let them know, hey, go after what it is that you really desire in life. Don't be afraid. And even if you are, as my speech, they do it, do it afraid. You know, that's what I'm doing. And that's the miraculous thing about me being a keynote speaker or a change agent. All fear has not left me. When I spoke at the Department of Treasury at the Ronald Reagan building twice, both times I was sitting there shaking amongst a thousand people thinking, why did I volunteer to come speak? You know, and Mm -hmm. even the lady sitting beside me who had invited me, she kept patting me and, you know, Dr. Val, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And I was sweating. Palms were wet as though I was getting ready to play in a championship basketball game, had (laughs) butterflies and everything. And I'm thinking, why did I say yes to them? I should have turned down this offer to speak here. But once I got up there... And I simply, you know, they had been talking about finances all day. It's Department of Treasury. So they had had workshops on finances all morning, and they want to hear something, you know, outside of finances at lunchtime. <laughs> and they're finishing up eating, and I just simply, I thought, let me ask one question. I said, how many of you have fears in your life? I don't care what it is. Flying, dying, height, you know. They had fear of finances. Every- <laughs> yes, and every hand, some people raised both hands, 
And, you know, I, I respect, and, and that made me calm down. And I tell people I found my zone, and I, it was just like dribbling a basketball. I was just going to say on. it's like hitting a, your first free throw or something to break the ice, right? Exactly. So I, people ask me, there's no way you could feel fearful when you get up and speak. You, you talk with so much passion, so much desire. I say, you know why? The fear is still there, but I, the reason I'm able to talk and have an impact, I believe, is because I know my subject. And I say, when you know your subject, as you were speaking to earlier, Eva, about people calling me concerning my books because they can feel I've written from the heart and not just a bunch of fluff to sell a book, but people, when they feel your heart, you know, as it says, when it what comes from the heart reaches the heart. That's that's absolutely right, and I love that story, and I love that you admit that you have the fear, and we want to talk about that more. We're about to take our second break, so we'll. Bring that up again when we get back. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva and our guest today, Dr. Valerie Stewart, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Hey, guys. We are back with Segment 3, Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our very special guest, Dr. Valerie Stewart and her website is www.valeriemstewart.com. That's V-A-L-E-R-I-E, because I sometimes have an issue spelling. So it's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-M-Stewart.com. Um, unbelievable story, person, accomplishments. Uh, I don't know where to begin. You know, we were talking before the break about Fear. You know, growing up, um, I used to be inspired, I still am, by Muhammad Ali. And I used to say, I can't believe what he's saying. He's putting himself out there. I mean, isn't he afraid that he's going to lose and the whole world is going to say, ha? Ah. And then I heard him say, He's scared to death, and that's what keeps him motivated. So, you know, I learned about a little bit about fear back then, um, but I guess the point is it doesn't ever leave, right? You mentioned that you were shaking right before you were speaking, even today. Um, so, you know, I love the Nike logo at the end of the day, right? Just do it. I guess that's right. what it means. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, earlier you said, it's funny because you, you said, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And I immediately said, I will try to pay off all my bills. 
And you, but you covered that by saying, and your bills are paid. <laughs> right. Right. What would you do? And that's your passion. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I think about that now a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, it's um, my passion is to make a difference. Right. To make a difference, even as one person. Um, and I need to be inspired by people like you. It's sort of like, you know, it's sort of we get to cheat on the show. I say that all mm-hmm. the time, right? Even because we get to meet people like this. Right. Um, but we just love everything about you, Dr. Stewart. Um, you know, I was a coach for 10 years of fast really? pitch softball. And I was always amazed at that talent. So when I see, of course, Hall of Fame athlete, it really gets my interest and you know it brings up a couple of questions right so what was it like in australia i mean i mean how do you manage to keep your game in in a foreign country oh uh, that was easy playing basketball was easy because it had it was something i had done all of my life since a little girl you know playing with my sister my brothers and even cousins and then when the opportunity came for me to play overseas I went to Chicago and tried out uh, before way before the WNBA and uh, you know several coaches there and I tried out and made it had a choice to pick and choose where I wanted to go you know Australia Germany or Sweden and uh, other places and I chose Australia because it was going to be summer so I had almost like two summers back to back but the game, the only difference for as far as, you know, and I had been warned by my agent was that the game, they play the game a lot faster than we do. The referee really? doesn't touch the ball as much. You know, if if one team throws the ball out of bound or something like that, the referee doesn't necessarily get the ball. The other team just know to grab the ball on the sideline. They can run anywhere out of bounds and throw that ball in. So, you know, I had to get very used to that real quick that, you know, the referee wasn't going to touch the ball every time the ball went out of bounds, that I need to, if I was on offense, I need to be prepared running back down the court. So it's a much quicker game and helped me to get in shape a lot better. But um, the competition was great, and the Um, people were awesome. What about on the bench? I mean, the conversations, are they similar to... Do, did you see some of the same fears as well as those other motivating factors that you were talking about earlier? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you were asking, well, how did I feel when I was on the bench? I was going to say, I'm sorry, sorry, Charlie. I never, I never got the experience being on the bench much, but, <laughs> uh, uh, not, you know, saying that just jokingly, but, uh, yeah, every, the people are the same as was what I could see. You know, I created and developed a lot of, friendships and still cultivate some of those friendships to this day so uh but yeah everybody is the same you know the conversations are the same now in that um in the book you mentioned earlier out of pain came poetry um first off i mean that's another accolade right poetry yeah so yeah. uh you were were these a collection of poems you wrote over the years or was this something you started from scratch and just prepared for the book? No, they were actually a collection of poems over the years and thank you for asking. 
Uh, let me say up front, I never, never intended to be a published author. I never set out to be an, a published author because to me, my, my writing was too painful. And it was only for myself, as I said earlier, yes, how did I get over the fear or face my fears and things like that? Well, the two of the main ways showed what three, prayer, but then writing, that was a form of relief to me because people always joke the way I talk and said, oh, she talks so slow. So there's so many barriers I've had to overcome that I didn't like to speak, and I've never taken a speech class in my entire life. And so that's why I'm intrigued when I go and travel to all these places around the country and have people, you know, masses of people sit there and listen to me and come to me afterwards are crying and telling me how I inspired them and want more of me, be it the book, CD, or whatever. I'm intrigued to know that, you know, they want to know, well, how long did it take you to write this book? Uh, how many speech classes have you taken? Were you a part of Toastmasters? No, none of that, because I never set out to, you know, be a keynote speaker, never set out definitely to publish books. That Those writings from the poem book started at 12 years old. And they stopped at about 2006. When wow. I the book. So, I mean, that's that must have been, I don't know, a challenge, a fear to go down to those poems and say, I'm putting these in a book. Here you are, world. I mean, that must have been something. That was a breakthrough for you. Oh, absolutely, because... You know, when I start feeling led by the Holy Spirit, to, it's time to write your uh, publish your first book. And I'm thinking, I don't have a book. You know, and so, yes, you do. All those poems that you've been carrying around, you know, that's the funny thing. No matter if I didn't even pack a bag when I went to Australia, you better believe I had that, fo- that blue folder with all my writings in them. And I had that folder no matter where I went, even when I was working for the Australian government, and they provided me with the team coach and all them provided me with the car, but, you know, they drive on the opposite side of the road and all that. So I almost killed several people a few times and <laughs> learned my lesson, let me park my car and get on the, you know, the bus that would t- uh, take me downtown to work. And I would have my poetry book and write in, in Australians. You know, they would say, what are you writing? I see you writing every day. And I just start sharing my writings with some of them. And they, people always encouraged me, strangers said, you need to publish a book. You need to write a book. And when one Yeah, of my because best it was friends, coming from a place of authenticity. Right. Right? Yeah. Well, um, thank you. Yeah. And even a high school, uh, you know, a teacher, she said to me, her, her daughter and I were great friends. And uh, I had a revelation. That's another part, the spiritual side, that I have dreams and visions, which is the third book, Miraculous Moments where I've had dreams at night and seen those things come to pass during the uh, during the day, be it the next day or during that week. And I actually had a revelation that one of my best friends, who her dad was the principal of our school and her mother taught school with my sister, and I had a revelation that either Shannon or myself was going to die before Thanksgiving, and it was two days before Thanksgiving. And sure enough, it ended up being Shannon and her sister being killed by a drunk driver, and I wrote a poem for her mom and dad called Death is Only the Beginning, and I gave her a copy of it, and she gave it back to me and wrote me at the, you know, told me how it blessed her and wrote me at the bottom of the letter saying, you know, keep writing. Who knows, one day you may publish a book and become famous, and I just laughed at that thought because I'm thinking, I'm never going to publish a book. 
Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, even through the pain and sorrow, you can see that others need you, right? It just never yeah. ends. Yeah, your path was pretty clear. I mean, for other for other people to just be coming forward and saying that you're going to publish books, other people just seeking you out. And I love what you said about, well, I never went to Toastmasters. I never t- took a presentation class. I think that's so true. I think when your passion comes out, you don't need Toastmasters. You don't need a presentation class. When you're letting yourself out, you just yeah. automatically engage people with your authenticity. Well, thank you. I believe that also, uh, Eva, I strongly believe that when you really, that's the part about tapping into your greatness, you know, that's the subtitle of that poetry book, but when you really find out what it is that you've been called to earth to do, or as Oprah, I think I've called it that aha moment, you know, Mm -hmm. I really believe that you don't need training. I believe that, you know, you were probably born with it. Maybe it can be nurtured or enhanced and all that, but... I really believe that all the extras, you know, you, you really don't need. And the funny thing, if I may say this, that I love about my life, because I, I thought people knew, but, you know, as you mentioned all the things that I do or have done, I, my own family, my own brothers and sisters, they'll call me from time to time and say, are you still working with the government as an engineer? <laughs> you know, and I laugh <laughs> at that because they want to know, when do you have time to write books? When did you have time to work on your doctorate? When did you, I recently, as of December, came off a mission trip uh, under my nonprofit ministry. We led up, a, a that was our third or fourth trip going to the impoverished areas of Jamaica, December 13th through the 20th, just last month. So they asked me, when did you have time to do all this? You know, when did, when did you go to work? And I laughed at that because I tell people the hardest part of my life now, Charlie and Eva, is not writing books or going to speak or doing the mission trips. My, the hardest part of my life is getting up being an engineer every day. Mm, I bet. I, bet. <laughs> I, I believe when you really find out what it is you're supposed to be doing in life, I tell people to me and what I've experienced, the struggle is taken out. You don't have to struggle to find your way. Things may not run smooth always, and you may not. you may still find enemies and opposition, but overall, I, I, it's easy for me to write the books. It's easy for me to put on conferences and, you know, do the mission trip. The hardest part of my life is to get up and be motivated about being an engineer every day. <laughs> um, it, well, it's very inspiring. And I have to say we have to take our final break, uh, but we still have more to come. <laughs> So please stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Neva and our very special guest, Dr. Valerie Stewart. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. 
Thanks for joining everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Valerie Stewart. And Dr. Stewart, before we get into our final segment, why don't you go ahead and share your website one more time, your contact information, and where um, people can buy these books. Okay, great. Thank you, Eva. The website, again, is www.ValerieMStewart.com. That's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-M-S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Uh, dot com, and I can be booked out there for speaking engagements. I'm willing to travel all over the world uh, to speak. I have uh, great presentations about fear, about maximizing your potential, and other things. Books can be purchased on my website as ebooks or at Amazon and most other outlets uh, as Kindle books as well on Amazon. Oh, and that's terrific. And I think the books would just be a great help to anyone that can't get out to hear you speak um, because so many people have fear and so many people don't admit it or they live under their potential because they feel that they just can't ever get past that fear. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit. We have about six minutes left. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your keynote speech that you, where you talk about do it afraid, because I know that there's people out there, and I know that I was one of them, that would think, you know, seeing you speak, well, yeah, I mean, you're an accomplished speaker, you're an accomplished athlete, you have all these credentials, you know, it's easier for you, which we know in your speech you tell people that it's not easy. But what can they do to just take that, first step to start walking through their fear? Is there is there some kind of technique or some type of mindset or something that you talk about that would help someone to kind of calm their fear down? Because sometimes it can be so paralyzing. Yes, that's a great question. Uh, I think music, um, Eva, would be great for a lot of people out there. All of us like different types of music. Music is uh, does wonders, I think, for our souls, so be it gospel or spiritual or country music or whatever it may be. I think uh, even jazz or whatever, but I think music would be a great way to, you know, to calm uh, the mind and the heart and to, you know, get in that position. And meditation works great. I do a lot of meditation before I get up and speak and already uh, picture what it, you know, what the crowd may be and things I want to say, and I never like to just get up and do an hour, you know, 45 or whatever long speech, uh, minute speech. I like to, uh, you know, the audience, if by all chance, questions. So I, I think those are key things. Well, and I think that both of those suggestions are great because they get you out of your head. Because one of the things that I'm noticing, you know, when I'm doing my workshops and and notice about myself, and I get the feeling that you have this too, is that a lot of us tend to be really sensitive people. We pick up on the judgment of others. And sometimes we pick up on judgment that may not be there because we are our own harshest critics, right? Um, That is so true. You know, and so any of that that kind of gets us out of our own head and just kind of clears our mind and just lets our our authentic selves out without the judgment is definitely a step in the right direction. And hearing from people like you that have gone through this, you know, I know, like you, I know what it's like to sit in a meeting where you're about to speak and your hands are like so sweaty, you think to yourself, oh, my word, I hope that nobody goes to shake my hand right now, you know, or, you know, I'm just turning red or whatever. Um, 
and it can be really intimidating. So just hearing from someone like you that's up there, that's a speaker that understand what it's like. It's like you're having someone that can kind of hold your hand through it to know that you're not alone. Because I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, we feel really alone when we get in that situation. Yes, that's absolutely true. You're you're taking my mind back to places and, and incidences where I have been just very fearful. And it's almost every time. And that's why I keep telling people, try to change the slide about how to overcome fear. But every time I try to change it, it's like, no, I haven't overcame it yet. Just as Charlie said, I don't think we ever will, but I'm facing my fears. You know, I'm facing mm-hmm. my fear of public speaking because it feels great when I do it. And I was just at a radio interview the other day. Uh, I talked to a guy, and he said, you know, I think it's great, and I think it's powerful when you still have nervousness there or, you know, some butterflies there. He said he believes with all the radio shows that he's, you know, interviews he's done that if there's no butterflies or, or you know, something there to kind of make him nervous, he's all like, hey, then he's not doing his best or he's not prepared. You know, and that's so true. And, and what I also tell people, too, is that those butterflies are really energy, you know, and if we stop being afraid of the butterflies, I think sometimes we get so afraid of the symptoms that we don't realize that we can harness those symptoms and use it to make our, our talks more exciting, to give them a little a little exactly. bit of spark. Because otherwise, when you're a little too relaxed, sometimes it just comes off as just being kind of blah. And um, Right. You know, the biggest thing is that we're afraid of our fear, if that makes sense. You know, I know I would always be afraid of how I was going to react. I was going to be afraid of how my fear was. And when I started, when I'm learning to ride it a little bit more, it's really not that bad. And then it's kind of fun. But getting into that mindset takes practice and takes what you're talking about, which is just, you know, just walk through it. You just got to do it. It's not going to be that bad. Yeah, absolutely. I I recall once I was speaking at a in Baltimore just a few years ago, and there was some mis- mix-up mix with the uh, my name getting in the book for a particular topic. And so, well, sorry about this, but you have a presentation tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And I said, well, but it's not in the book. They said, yeah, but we have you down and people to come. And I said, well, probably nobody is going to attend because, you know, I did make the people walk around looking in that book for, you know, speakers and speakers. So they Oh, we have a suggestion. We'll help you. Uh, you know, the staff may fires, and they said you and you could hire others or, you know, just get a, grab a few others and send out and promote yourself. You know, stop everybody this afternoon. Tell them you're going to be doing a workshop tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Well, I'm telling you, Eva, you hit on something so key. Yes, I'm very sensitive. You know, I try to, I'm a feeler, so I pick up on people's moods or emotions toward me. But, yeah, this so I had come way out of my comfort zone to be standing in the hallway. You know, here I am supposed to be one of the top notes, uh, keynote speakers there, and yet I did make the book for this particular workshop. No fault of my own, but yet I'm standing out there, out of my comfort zone, passing out flyers, not knowing, you know, I know if it was me probably receiving the fire, I'd take it, look at it, and throw it in the trash before I leave the building. So... Nevertheless, the next morning, 8 o'clock, my workshop was packed to capacity, you know, 150, 200 people. And I thought, wow, I was blown away. I went around the room, what made you come? And some said, because you gave me a flyer. But most (laughs) of them said they came because they said, I already knew you. 
I heard you last year in such and such state or wherever, and they say everybody's already talking about you, you know, so that blew me away, but quite a few said they came because I gave them a flyer, so that's one of the things that's in my socks. I tell people, don't be afraid to promote yourself. That's funny, and it's personal to you, right, Eva, because... Uh, I just made flyers up today (laughs) that I have to give out tomorrow. That is funny. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's perfect because so many times we think, well, you know, especially people like us who think nobody's going to come, you know, why would they come if I just gave them a flyer and here they are, they're telling you, yeah, I got the flyer. Oh yeah, I came. It was good. Um, And I think that's such a great lesson learned and such a great lesson for our listeners as well that, sometimes we stop ourselves before we even try. We don't even try. You know, we can talk ourselves out of not trying. First, try and try your best and then try again and then tweak it and try one more time, (laughs) right? I mean, I think that's really the lesson. Absolutely, Eva. That's what I I normally share. The the aha moment came to me talking about failure one day uh, in the Do It Afraid speech. I was telling them about all the different people, the many people that have achieved the most in life are those that have failed the most. And I gave them examples of, of Abraham Lincoln, you know, Michael Jordan, Bob Cousy, even Babe Ruth. You know, I, the list, mm-hmm. Walt Disney, the list is, is long of people that have failed many times and yet got back up again and did great things. But then I had an aha moment. And it's just what you just said, Eva. Real failure is not the one that tries and fails and, you know, and, and doesn't get up again or right. perhaps make it up. The real failure is the one that goes to the grave and never tries. Go to the grave with all these dreams, desires, you know, admirations, uh, aspirations inside of them and never stepped out to try them. That's the real failure. That's perfect. That's a perfect wrap-up for yep. this show. Yeah, it's great. And and thank you so much, Dr. Stewart, because this was an absolutely great show and very inspirational. Yep, and we'd love thank to have you, you back, and we'll be tweeting about you all week. Yes. Thank so you. Thank I you. come back. Just let me know when. I Excellent. It. We will. Thank yeah, you we- so much, and have a great New Year. Thank you. Thanks to both of you. Okay, take care. Um, Dr. Stewart is a Fabulous talent, uh, change agent. We need to have her back. Uh, we learned a lot today. Right. And just for our listeners, you can find out more about Dr. Stewart at ValerieMStewart.com, and her books are available there and on Amazon. So thank you, everyone. Um, it was a great show, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See you next week. See you next week.